Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. To fellowship as the saints, knowing that you gather with us as we gather two or more in your name. So Father, we ask that uh, as we look into your word, that by your spirit you would open our minds and hearts to receive what it is you have for us today. Lord, we thank you that uh, your word is alive, it's true, and it's life to our souls. So Father God, be with us today, be with the Pastor Greg and Pastor Jill as they're away. And uh, Father, we look, we look toward a wonderful time in fellowship here with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to be here. It's, uh, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, it's going to be like gorgeous out and like, you know, this might be the only summer day we get all year. So <laughs> I was wondering how many people would actually be here, but I am pleasantly, pleasantly surprised um, you know, a lot of times when you have an opportunity to speak, you know, you, you, you look through your scripture, you have, a, you have an idea of what God wants to say, or at least you hope you've got a handle on what God wants to say. I always like to, you know, pray for the things that I speak that are not from him for, for, for you for the day, that uh, those things wouldn't find light, but only the things that are from his word that are like I said, those true words of life would find a place of, of um, as a seed in your heart. But uh, um, usually, usually something comes up in worship or in conversation or driving to even driving to the church. And a couple things came up today that uh, in, in worship that I, I want to speak about real quickly because in in, in the Romans uh, in the first chapter um, in verse seventeen it said. Uh, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Andrew was sharing in, in, in worship about um, um, maybe it's easy for us to put our faith in Jesus because he's got an impressive resume, you know. And it's after that that we struggle um, continuing to walk in faith because as Christians, born-again Christians, we are encouraged, instructed um, to continue to walk in faith because there's all kinds of opportunities to be like, uh, um, like he shared, sometimes you come to a place where you know that if God doesn't come through, you're not going to make it. And then you put your trust in God because you have no other choice at that point. And then God shows up, okay? You put faith in God. You put trust in God. A trust and a faith that the world, outside of a relationship with Christ, cannot understand, okay? They just cannot understand it, you know? And a lot of you have probably been in situations where you've been walking through some, maybe something really hard, and you have peace because you've walked with God for so long that you know that he's going to come through. doesn't make it any more pleasant uh, or make whatever you're, the ordeal you're going through any less you know, painful or hard. But you, you've been there and done that and bought the t-shirt with God. You know what I'm saying? And you walk in that. And your faith and your faith in God shows up and it brings witness to God and brings glory to God. Okay, and that's, and that's why that scripture says um, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God, you and I being born again Christians, being able to, because of our relationship with God, walk in faith and show who God is 
and bring glory to him. And so that's what that scripture means when we walk uh, from faith to faith. Okay, so we are going to be, Greg uh, finished up uh, chapter 3 down to verse 18. I'm going to be picking it up in verse 19 through the end of the chapter, Romans chapter 3, if you want to turn there. But <clears throat> there's one thing I want to speak about. Well, there's more than one thing I'm going to speak about. But uh, the thing I'm going to talk about right now is when, when you study Romans, you have to understand, and, and I shared this a few weeks back, that um, it, the, the crux of the, of the sharing of the gospel has to include more than just the good news about Jesus. It, it, it includes the reality of God. It, re, it, it includes the creation of all that we see and all that we don't see. That also including you and us, you and I. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, my, my pronoun today is us. Um, you know, <laughs> so, um, shut up. Okay. Um. <laughs> Where was I? I had a good point. No, that, uh, that, that the gospel includes uh, the reality of God, uh, the creation of all that we see and all that we don't see, that including man, the fall of man. Um, and then, as we spoke of a few weeks back, the decline that became of man as he fell into this condition now of sin and all the stuff that comes with it. And then the law and the prophets. And then finally, uh, culminating in our redemption through the the work of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for all of us, okay? You have to, all, to truly to, to communicate the gospel, all those things have to be communicated. And the book of Romans uh, beautifully communicates that whole, that whole process. But it's, like, it's chapter after chapter and after chapter and after chapter, okay? And we are going through this weekly, okay? And we are taking certain little bits and pieces, Right? But do yourself a favor. You need to sit down with the book of Romans, put your concordance away, put your notebook away, put your pen away, and just read it from start to finish in one thought. Because I'm pretty sure Paul didn't think, well, this is, sounds pretty good. One of, this day, one of these days is going to be put in a, something we're going to call the Bible, and it's going to be you know, the most popular you know, part of scripture. You know, I, I'm sure Paul didn't think that. He was trying to communicate with his, his brothers and sisters in, in the church in Rome, okay? So he wrote a letter. This, this letter is one complete thought. So, I mean, this, here it is. Okay, you can look into the word, okay? You can look at it this way. Interesting. Okay? Or you can back off and see it in its entirety, right? Sometimes you have to back off and take the, the epistle in its entirety to, to glean a better understanding because there's flow to this. There's a, there's a flow to the book of Romans. It goes basically through that progression of understanding the gospel that I just talked about. It talks about God, the reality of him as our creator. It talks about man and his fall. In the end of chapter 1, it talks about the results of that as we fell into sin and unrighteousness and the decline of man after that. Okay, and so now, this, this part I'm starting to talk about was starting in for the next couple of chapters, we're going to be talking about the law and its, its place in our life. All right? And then what the prophets had to say. And then eventually we're going to get to salvation in Jesus Christ. And then after that, it says, okay, you've done that. Now how do you live from faith to faith? Okay. That, that transpires all through the book of Romans, okay? So as we study little bits and pieces, it's fine because if you go back and you look at Scripture, it's Scripture that you're really quite familiar with and that you're, you're quite comfortable with, even sharing it with other people or whatever. You go back and you read that same Scripture, you're going to get something different every time. So yes, you can take it in little bits and pieces, and God is going to bless you because he, he promises to bless us as we read his word and we study his word. But we need to take it into its entirety. So with that being the case, we're going to take a little bit of it right now. So, okay? So, yes, we are, we're going to study it in bits and pieces over the, you know, the next few weeks or months. But do yourself a favor. Read through it. Start to finish. 
and then sit back and meditate on that. And then we go back and we'll look at it bit by bit, okay? Um, so, that being said, another thing that you said during worship, the wonderful thing about God is everything he does is good, right? Everything God does is perfect. No mistakes. Well, then there's us. <laughs> then there's us, where Scripture clearly states in this chapter, there is no one good. So, if any of you having any problems with inadequacy, yeah, well, we're all in the same boat, okay? So, here, here's the dichotomy. God, perfect in all that he does, you and I, not quite measuring up. You got it? And that is an understatement, for sure, okay? So, in Romans um, chapter 1, after... And it talked about the progression. I don't want to go back to that. I'm just going to skim over it. That basically, with the fall of man, we decided not to glorify God anymore. And then we decided not to be thankful to God anymore. And then we didn't want to let him even be part of our daily living. We didn't want to, to, uh, to acknowledge God. And because of that, we, in fact, we wanted to make our own gods. We wanted to produce some idols. And because of that, God turned us over. He just let us go. Okay, and then this decline came, you know, into what uh, in Galatians calls. I guess I could read this real quick. This is going to cost you extra, though. Uh, um, in Galatians five nineteen to twenty one is what it uh, it's called the works of the flesh. He says uh, nineteen. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and this this is not a complete list. Trust me. Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness. It goes on. Okay. All right. Now, what we have to understand and keep in mind, and that's why I like, like I said, it's good for you to go and you read, read Romans as one complete thought. It's because you have to understand the truth that was in chapter 1 and not forget it, that the reason all these things happened and why we started to walk in these things is because we severed our relationship with God first, okay? We didn't do all those things, and God said, you know, ixnay, I'm out of here. That's not what happened. What happened is we decided as a creation in Adam to rebel, okay? Not to hold God and his word above all things, but to rebel against God. And in doing that, we separated ourselves from the life of God. And because we were separated ourselves from the life of God, all we had left to experience life was, it was with this flesh. Okay? Fallen flesh. And that also is your mind. And if you go back and again, you read chapter 1, the descent into hell, so to speak, gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Man isn't getting better and better. Man is getting worse and worse, okay? Just watch the news, okay? The stuff that is going on now defies explanation. I'm sorry. I, I don't get it. I, I just, I don't get it. Before I get in trouble, I'll just take a sip of coffee and think about it. <laughs> I don't want to be put in Facebook jail or something. Wouldn't want that. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to pick it up in 19, but again, uh, verse, verse uh, 10 in, in, in Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one, none, without God, okay? Because we're separated from the life of God because of the fall. And before we, we answer the call of faith, the call to the cross, the call to repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ, we are not righteous. And it is no mistake that the first thing that is listed here in this passage between 10 and 18 is that there's no one righteous. Because that's where it begins. 
That's exactly where the problem begins. We don't have a relationship with God. We, don't, we are not just in his sight. We do not have a relationship with him. So there is no one righteous apart from your relationship to God in Jesus Christ. No one righteous. And because of that, everything else that comes after that, okay, is just like gravity. It's just going to happen, okay? The... Uh, there's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. They all turn aside. None of them are profitable. There is no one is good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues, um, with their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. The mouth, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Boy, this is uplifting. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes, okay? But it all begins with our relationship, okay? Um, you're thinking, when is he going to get to Romans chapter 3, verse 19? Well, it's coming, all right? It's coming. Because, like I said, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and you may think that with this outfit I have on now that it's, it's out of my Johnny Cash collection from home, <laughs> but actually it's not. It's out of my NFL collection. If you see up here, Raiders, you know. This week we had the, the NFL draft, okay? I don't know how many watch the NFL draft, but if you're a real football junkie, you got to watch the NFL draft, right? Yeah, you got to watch the draft and see how poorly my team drafts because it's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, the strange thing about the NFL draft and how we approach God, the strange thing about it is they're not related at all. Okay? And, and you think about it. No, I, no. what I mean is th this is how man thinks, okay? Because you have men that have been probably from the time they were big enough to pick up a football, run around their backyards, and they start to show some... Some, some talent, so their parents put them in Pop Warner, and then they, they get into middle school, and they're still playing football, and they get into high school, and they're excelling. They're the big men on campus, and then they go to college, and then they continue to excel, and then they, get the, the, they start guarding the attention of these NFL players that sit up, I mean, uh, general managers that sit up high on their pedestal like they're some sort of NFL god or something, okay? And if that's not bad enough, then they make these, these poor men who have been playing football for, you know, 15, 16 years or whatever, uh, they make them go to uh, the combine, which is, you know, like putting cattle into a, you know, <laughs> okay, which one can jump higher? Which one runs faster? Which one's the heaviest? Uh, I mean, it's like they continue, the, their whole life is about proving themselves, Proving themselves and proving themselves and getting themselves better, making themselves the best football player they can. So somebody sitting up high on an NFL pedestal looks down and says, I pick you because you're so wonderful to be part of my team. You know, and then, of course, you know, there's jumping and crying and gnashing of teeth and all that kind of stuff that goes on when they're finally picked. Okay. God is nothing like that. But that is how we think. That is how religion thinks. Religion thinks, I will make myself better. I will do this, and I will do that, and I'll continue to do that. And once I've got that under control, I'm going to move on to other things. And then I'm really going to show you my talent, my abilities. And, you're, and God, you're just going to love me. Oh, my goodness. And people are going to love me too, I'm sure. You know? But that's not how God works. My, my Bible says, wow. While we were yet in our sin, Christ died for each and every one of us. When we had nothing to bring to the table, when we were not righteous, no, not one, Christ died for the ungodly. Because even though we had separated our, ourselves as a creation from God, God never stopped loving us. Now, how much more is he going to love us now that we have the blood of his son upon our lives, okay? Verse 19, you never thought we were going to make it, did you? Okay, here we are. He says, now, so the next part then 
that we're going to be covering in, in a little micro study here is the law. We have to understand it. You know, what is our relationship to it? Well, what's it for? What's it all about? That kind of thing, all right? Okay. Um, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. Makes sense. You know, it makes sense. And Well, before I want to go to that thought, I, I need to finish this thought. <laughs> um, the description of sin and the works of the flesh get blurred. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to explain the best way that I can. Okay. And I'll, I'll go to it's close at home because this will be an open wound right now. How about, we're going to talk about COVID, okay? We're going to look at COVID as being sin because we all hate sin and COVID, okay? So, all right. Now, a person, you know, um, who might come to the, the hospital and present, they, they might have a cough. They might have shortness of breath. They might have uh, loss of smell, loss of taste. They might even start to experience certain types of heart failure and organ failure. Um, okay. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you might even get COVID brain. COVID brain is a real thing. COVID fog. Okay. All right. So, the reason I bring that up is all these things I just listed. Now, make an analogy to sin. All those things I listed would be the works of the flesh. Okay. They're not COVID, but they're a result of. Okay. And COVID, in my example, would be sin. Our separation from God. Ultimately, that was, that's what sin is. Because you and I were created to have a relationship with God. To walk with God. To glorify God. That the life of God would show from us and through us as we just live in fellowship with our God. That's what we were created for. But when we separated ourselves from God, that was, that was sin. And because of that, all these other things happened. You got COVID, and all these other things happened. Okay? So, I want you to keep that in mind as we, as we go through the scripture. Because it's, it's sometimes talking about sin and, and what we do in the flesh can kind of be all conglomerated together in one, one thought. But sin is far deeper than just my, my do's and my don'ts. Sin, sin incorporates my, my, my state apart from my, my relationship with God, okay? It's, it's deeper than what you, for, you know, kicking the cat in the morning, okay? It's deeper than that, right? Okay, so verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. That makes sense, right? You know, I'm not under the jurisdiction of Canadian law, right? So it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care what they're doing up there, eh? I, who cares? <laughs> you know, you, you want to eat bitter grown salt potato chips and that's your, your, you know, your, your national food of choice? Fine. I don't care because I'm, I'm, I'm not under your jurisdiction, Okay. So it says that to whoever's under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. Okay, we're starting to see what the, what the, the, the law is. The law is get us to a place where we, we understand our need of God and the reality of our guilt before God. Okay. That's what the law is meant to do. It's meant to be, in, in other scriptures, it talks about it being a schoolmaster or a teacher. Basically to teach you how far you have fallen short in that, yes, no, none of us are righteous. No, not one. Okay. So it goes on. In verse 20, he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See? It takes you to the point where, like, like um, Andrew was saying earlier, you get to a point in your life where there's something that comes up in your life and you, you realize, if I don't have God, I can't make it. And one of those places, once you make your relationship with Jesus, maybe you realize, you know, I've got some rough edges. I have issues, okay? I never like to say I'm a, uh, a sinner saved by grace. I always like to call myself a saint with issues because that's really more correct, okay? I'm as born again as I'm ever going to be. I'm as justified and sanctified and petrified as I'm ever going to be, all right? It's, it's not getting any better. So my, um, it's, it's important for me to come to the place where I understand that, you know, I'm dealing with things. I want to change. I want to I see certain things out of my life. I want to see certain godly attributes coming into my life. I look to the law, and I see no strength there to get me to where I want to be. It's just sitting there going, nanner, 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 look at you. You're guilty before God. Okay, that, that's not helpful. That's really not helpful, you know. You know, somebody walking up to you and saying, you've got problems, does not get, help you get past the problem, right? But it gets you to that place where you can walk from faith to faith, where you come to God and you say, God, with that, if, it, if it's not for you, I'm not getting there. I'm not getting past this one. It's got to be you, God. You've got to strengthen me, change me, mold me, make me, shape me. Whatever you got to do, smack me upside the head. Well, he doesn't usually smack us upside the head. But you know what I'm saying? Whatever it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be a God thing. It has to be a God thing. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. No flesh will be justified. He just read several times that earlier in this chapter that there's none righteous. Okay? The punch has been spiked. Okay? The Kool-Aid is non-drinkable. Your flesh can't do it. So if God decided to be really rough on us and say, well, here's the law, do it, we're done. We're done. But that is not what God expects of us, okay? So what do we do? Now, we're not under the law, it says, okay? If we go to, to the right, in your, unless you have a Hebrew Bible, um, turn to the right just to talk about this just for a second in chapter 6. You know, if we pick, pick it up like uh, verse 11, okay, no particular spot, but we're going to pick it up there. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. This is, this is talking to a person who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, okay, right? Reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, okay? We're alive to God. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. There's one of those verses that makes it tough. Because it says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Basically, what that scripture says, do not live your Christian life as if you have no relationship with God. If Christianity was against the law, who knows, it might be one of these days. Is there enough evidence in your life that you would be convicted? So don't let, don't, let, don't let a separation from God, okay, reign in your life. Keep God close at hand. Keep him at the forefront of your life. He says, therefore, is that time? Am I timed out? Okay. okay. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Okay? Your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Okay? It's like Hebrews tells us we need to come into the throne room of God boldly. Okay? To make prayers and intercessions for others, even to ask for something that we need. Okay? All right? That we need to come into. And he doesn't, he doesn't want us to come into his presence and be examining our own navel saying, what have I done wrong today that God's going to hit me for? 
He doesn't want you to do it. He wants you to come boldly in the throne room knowing that all he asks of you is to put the blood of Christ upon your life and upon your heart, to receive him, to believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Confess it. And you're born again. You, you, you have access. You're a child of God. He, in, he implores you to come into his presence to make prayer and intercession. And he wants you to come boldly to do that. And present yourself as instruments of righteousness to God. You know, there's, there's a scripture. Oh, this is going to cost you extra too. Jeez, sorry. All these extra fees. Uh, ch- uh, ch- chapter 12, verse 1. A lot of times I, I hear this you know, taught in different ways, but it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Paul's speaking again to the Christians. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, it is reasonable, not, boy, you've gone an extra mile today, he says, it is only reasonable based on what you know about God, how much has he loved you, the fact that he, he died, uh, he sent his son to die while you were yet in your sin. It is only reasonable that when you come into his presence, instead of walking up like a sniveling chihuahua, okay, that's, you know, okay, if you have chihuahuas, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, you know, that creeping in like Eeyore kind of thing into God, he doesn't want that. He wants you, it is reasonable that you come and present yourself in the throne room of God, like it exhorts you to do in, 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 in Hebrews, that you present yourself holy and acceptable to God. Because it's not about what you do and what you don't do, it's what God has already done in Jesus Christ. And if he have, you have his blood on you, that's you. That's you, boo-boo. You got it? And, he, and it's reasonable that's why we can come and pray boldly. Even if you have to remind yourself when you pray, you know, God, I know it's not anything that I've done. It's all about what you've done. And then give your prayers and petitions unto God. Reasonable, okay? It's just reasonable that that's how you and I walk with God. Okay. Oh, these overages fees are just going to eat you guys up. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Because, okay, where was I? Oh, yes. Uh, Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So as I'm reading through here, again, at verse, you don't need to to turn to chapter 6 again, but I'm going to finish reading it. It says, um, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And then verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Okay? If you are under the law, sin has dominion over you. If if we are not born again in Christ, we are under the law. Period. And because of that, what reigns in us, what is on our resume, the top in bold letters, is the fact that you and I have no relationship with God. And because of that, because of that, all that progression that can take place, takes place. Okay. But that's not you and I. That doesn't describe you and I. We are not under the law, and so we're not under the dominion of sin. We are not. So God, inspiring Paul to write this epistle, encourages us to walk, trusting him, faith to faith. Okay. Let's go on. Verse 21, he says, uh, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Okay? The righteousness of God. 
you and I becoming into a place where we have a relationship with God. That's what it means to be righteous. It doesn't mean that you are 100% glorious in your own, um, your own activities, you know, your, your resume, your, your, goods in, your good do's and your, your bad don'ts, that kind of thing. Okay? We, we are righteous in God, and it's, it has nothing to do with the law. Nothing whatsoever other than the fact that hopefully we're able to look at the law and see our complete condition of being at a loss before a holy God, and it drives us to the, the cross and to Jesus and to his mercy and to his grace. That is what the law is for for you and I. The law, we should be happy that the law was there because it showed us our need. It showed us how far we had fallen and from where we had fallen. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law in the prophets. Okay? Okay, this is, this is a preview of upcoming events. In the next couple of weeks, and I'm not, I'm not done here yet. Hold on. Okay. But uh, the progression is now we have to understand what the law and the prophets really said and what they did and how, how it accomplishes it. All right? But that also, again kind of confirms what I was saying before. To communicate the gospel properly, you have to address the law and you have to address the prophets. Right? You have to. Okay, verse 19. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. Okay? Uh, Jew, Gentile, you know, slave, or free, or male, or female, doesn't matter. This is the answer. This is God's plan for all of us. He says, for all have sinned. Now, I mean, this is, a, this is your refrigerator magnet, you know, message, or, you know, T-shirt, whatever. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay. All have sinned. All of us have lived in a state where we didn't have a relationship with God. Okay. And because of that, we fell short of the glory of God. The glory of God, in other words, the life that God wanted to show others and even show ourselves as he shows up in our lives and he lives in us and through us, that particular Thing for which you and I were created to give glory to the Father wasn't happening. Okay? It just wasn't happening. It couldn't happen. God wasn't in our life. He wasn't a part of our life. Yo, you could do good deeds, sure, you know. But ultimately, for us to be good, for ultimately, for us to be righteous, God has to be in us, living in us and through us. You know, in, in fact, uh, Jesus, uh, we're going to get to this, um, well, I'll just read down to it. Okay. He says, uh, verse 24, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay. Now, I've heard it said, you know, that we live in a state of grace. You know, grace is extended to everyone. No, it's not. Grace is extended to those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. Don't get the cart before the horse. Doesn't mean God doesn't want to bestow his grace on everyone. But the most important thing for you and I to become into a place where we're now living in grace is we need to receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ by faith. We have to do that. Again, God wants to extend his grace to everyone. But the only way that happens is if a person who does not know God comes into a saving relationship with God. Now God extends his grace by faith in Jesus Christ. And that will be chapter 5. Again, all this is going on the tab. Okay, so it's important to, to, to understand that. He says, um, being justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Verse 25, God um, set forth as a propitiation or a substitution. Actually, in some scriptures, it might even say mercy seat, depending on what scripture you have instead of propitiation, okay? He says, God set forth as a, I'm going to, you know, I actually like mercy seat, you know? As like in the tabernacle, there was the mercy seat where, where, where the priest would come in and, 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 and say prayers and uh, um, intercessions for the people at the mercy seat. He says, For God set forth as a mercy seat by his blood through faith, through faith, okay, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Okay, now verse 26. He says, To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. In Jesus demonstrated righteousness. In other words, Jesus demonstrated his relationship to the Father in everything he did. Prayed unto the Father. He, 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 he glorified the Father and in everything he did. If there was a healing, he glorified his Father. Everything pointed back to the Father and giving glory to the Father. In fact, in, in John 14, oh, that's to the left, Mike. In, 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 it's not 14, uh, 15, it talks about it's the parable of the vine and the branches. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, it says in if you, um, verse 6, it in chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you. It says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them, and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, if you and I make our residence with Christ, and Christ makes his residence in us, by faith, so that we are now righteous, okay? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. See, it's, it's our marching orders to give glory to the Father, something we could not do in our fallen state. We, we could not do that because we didn't have that relationship. But ultimately, that's what God, why, one of the reasons, other than he's just unbelievable love for us and for his creation no matter what state we might find ourselves in that God wanted to have a relationship with us that again that his life and his love and his grace and his glory would show up in our lives to encourage us in our faith but also be a witness to God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit to people around us not to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ and be a witness to those who do not yet know God, okay? But we were originally created that this life would be flowing through us. For us to have that, you know, they used to, what was the book that was out there a few years ago, a purpose-driven church? I mean, it ended up being purpose-driven chairs and everything. I mean, there was like 11 purpose-driven stuffs. But mainly, our ultimate purpose is, is to let God live through us. And however he wants to do that, however he wants to show up, however, whatever one of his attributes he wants to show about himself through us, that's what we were created for. And when you and I, when you and I respond by faith in Jesus Christ, we fulfilling our purpose, just like Jesus did, showing that his righteousness And that he, an important part of chapter, uh, verse 26, is that he says he might be just in the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Okay? Later on in the scriptures, it's going to talk about the fact through, through one man, sin, this, this separation for God happened because by one man's rebellion and stepping away from God, all of us fell into that. All of us now we're unrighteous. We're not good anymore. No, not one, because we didn't have a relationship with God. And that was because of one man. And you would say, how can God uh, 
pass over all the stuff that you and I do, all the, the deeds of the flesh that you and I do. How can God just pass over all that, all that rebellion, all the do's and the don'ts that we violated along the way? How can God, how can God be just in doing that? How can God be just in judging that or those who do not respond by faith uh, to the faith in Jesus Christ? How could God be just in doing that? Well, it's pretty easy. Through one man's sin, and I can almost imagine the accuser of the brethren bringing it up to the Father, that Adam would be cast out. A precedent was set in this courtroom of heaven where now, also by one man's sin, all have died through one man's obedience and one man's righteousness. We all shall live. So God can forgive us, give us all that he wants to give us, live through us like he wants to, show us himself like he wants to, and yet maintain, because like you said earlier, Andrew, whatever God does, he's perfect in what he does. He doesn't make mistakes. And now God is not only justifying us through faith in Jesus Christ, he's, he's just in doing it because a precedent has been set. Through one man's sin, we all died. Through one man's obedience, we all live. It's like God's got this thing all figured out or something. It's awesome, you know. Right? Okay. Now, in, in to, to finish. Jeez, I'm going pretty fast. Well, I'm usually used, usually when I get a chance to, to, to share and this, this is just an aside before we finish. It's usually we have 14 new announcements, a special speaker, four new songs, and, uh, and, uh, and a play. And so when I get up, I got four minutes to finish. It's tough. So it's, it's nice. I don't know what to do with myself. Okay. So let's, let's, let's finish up. Okay. Verse 27. He says, now where is boasting then? Don't you see how we cannot create a hierarchy in the church? We just can't. We just can't. Because none of us stand before God on our own merit. Okay? Oh, I was able to like complete uh, 86% of the law. That's a solid B. Maybe even a B plus if they grade on the curve. You know? Did you see Harry over there? Yeah, 72. Yeah, just barely made it. <laughs> Almost didn't make the cut. No, it's, it's, it's all about what God did in us, and so we should be able to celebrate that. That's how, why we can worship and praise with such vigor and abandon is because we know that all the goodness of God has been poured out in us. Where is boasting that is excluded? And by what law? Oh, I mean. It has nothing to do with the law. Your standing before God has nothing to do with the law whatsoever. Of works? Nope. No. I know you're going to ask me, but what about good works? What about our, our, our behavior before God? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. You know, it, it begins to speak in, 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 in chapter 6 about what about how we act on a daily basis. How do we go about this, this life? You know, What about the things we see in ourselves we don't want anymore? You have a relationship with God, you pray about it. We already, we already shared it several times. It's important what, what uh, Andrew shared is. There, there are times you're going to come to a place where you, if, if God doesn't do it, it ain't going to happen. Okay? If you could change yourself, you could have done it a long time ago. I know I would have. Okay, no, I mean not changed you, but I mean I'm talking about myself, okay? No, not by works, but by the law of faith. But the thing about it, though, this is so cool, is when you and I have a relationship with God, and God is living in you, you can't help but be changed. Maybe not as fast as you as like. 
Maybe not the things that he's changing or the things you be looking at. You might have like a top ten things you wish God would change in your life. And you've got, you've got your number one draft pick, getting back to the draft, you know. You've got your number one draft pick you want dealt with, you know. And God says, nah, let's, let's deal with number seven. Okay? Just trust God. Just trust God. Continue to pray about it, whatever it is, okay? But just trust God. But when you and I know God, and God is in our, you can't help but be changed, Okay? And you say, well, how, how, how would that even happen? Well, you know, I don't understand everything about God. And I don't have to. Because the scripture clearly states that his ways are above my ways. And his thoughts above my thoughts. <clears throat> Yahtzee, he's got me. All right? I don't know how he does a lot of things. But I know that it says in scripture that when Moses went up to speak to God, he was just in God's presence. I mean, he was just with God. Okay, just hearing him, hearing him out, getting instruction for the people or whatever. It says when he would come down off the mountain, he would have to wear a veil on his face. Why? Because the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God that, that emanated from, from God um, latched on to Moses. And for a while, he actually shined, emanated light. I'm going, well, that's cool. You know, you could read at night. It'd be awesome. You know, just like, there you go. You know, it'd, it'd be cool. But it's, it freaked out. The, is, you know, he had to wear a veil because it was freaking everybody out. You know, granted, somebody goes around walking around like there's some, I don't know what that would look like, but that would be creepy. Okay. But it's cool. But what I'm saying is if just being in the presence of God caused a physical change in Moses, that he actually shined like a lightning bug, all right, Why can't I believe that me just walking in, in submission and in humbleness before my God and trusting him that he can't change me over time? Just because I'm mine. I mean, he's mine and I'm his. Okay? So some of us just need to, like, chill and let God be God and let God do what he does. Okay? He says, verse 20, it says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by, pay, by faith apart from the deeds of the law. All right? I hope that's what you and I can conclude this morning by what we said. You know. Verse 20, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. So it doesn't matter where you had the law when you were lost or you didn't have the law where you lost. It had no bearing on how you were going to be saved. Later on again, I keep giving away like, what do you call them, spoilers? Sorry, spoilers. God is going to say, even all of Israel... So will be saved. But it says, in this manner, all of Israel will be saved. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. By the same manner. And then it says, do we make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And to, to finish that thought in, in, in Romans 7... It kind of explains Paul's thought, and he says, what shall we say about the law then? And kind of summing it up. He says, and this is, it would be seven, chapter 7, verse 7, just for a few verses here. It says, what shall we say? Is the law sin? No. The law isn't sin. We know what sin is. Sin is the separation from God. The law has nothing to do with that. He says, certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin, or I would not have known my separation from God unless it was, you know, defined through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. Okay? It says, but sin, or my separation from God, took opportunity by the commandment, producing me all manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you. you got a four-year-old at home? 
cook up some cookies, put it in a, in a, a cookie jar, set it on the, in, on the counter and says, whatever you do, do not get into that cookie jar. These cookies are for later. I can tell you right now that, that four-year-old, is, that's all he can think about now is those cookies in that cookie jar. Now, maybe he won't take those cookies in the cookie jar. Okay. Jesus says, he who lusts after a woman in his heart is, is guilty of adultery. Okay? So, I'm, I mean, I've, took it a, I've taken a big step from cookie larceny to adultery. But you know what I'm saying? All right? All right. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and died. I was fat, dumb, and happy. I didn't understand that I was lost. And so the law did its job. It showed me. It also showed me a loving father and a savior who gave all that I might come into relationship with my creator. And then the Holy Spirit moves upon me and teaches me and shows me, molds me and shapes me and changes me in just ways I couldn't even imagine. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin took occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy. We know that. And the commandment is holy. Because it's from God. It's God's word, right? There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is holy. The law is good. The law is just. But if you skip down to 14, you will find the fly in the ointment, so to speak. It says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. I'm soul under sin. I have no relationship with God. It is not within me to walk in the precepts of God, to walk in his fruit. Because the flesh is doing lots of good. Well, the flesh can't do anything. Sorry. But God in us, living through us, can bring about the fruits of his Holy Spirit, which is usually the antithesis of what the flesh wants to do. Okay? So the law shows us our need. But it also shows us the depth of the love of the Father. Yeah, there, there might be some of us here today who, who don't have that relationship. And if that's the case, don't, don't leave here today. Don't leave here today without making that right for God. And it's not really hyper, I don't know, it's not a big show. It's a matter of seeing your, your need before God. And you need to know that he loves you with a, uh, everlasting love. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter things that you've forgotten to do. It's all a matter of believing that Jesus died on the cross for you. To set right things that happened a long time ago that you had no control of. And yeah, you might be rough around the edges, but once you let God trim the branches, so to speak, in his time, but respond to him in faith. And when, when we're done here, after I'm done praying, you know, if, if you'd like, come up front here, we'll, we'll, I'll pray with you. But... Yeah. No, I didn't. Exactly. Well, sure. Thanks for stealing the thunder there. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a great way to end it. Jeez. Uh, wish I would have thought that. Well, just. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, it's so true, though. The bottom line is we're, we're not under the law anymore. You know. But it did its job for most of us. Okay. And now we can live our lives to glorify God. And let God move us, move in us shape us and mold us and make us into the image of his son that we might be his witnesses. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you're the creator of all that we see and all we don't see. Lord, and in our need, you came and you met us. 
You poured out your love upon us and gave us the very best of heaven that we might be redeemed, that we might know Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we might be filled by your spirit, Lord, that, that your life would enter us. Now, Lord, use us. In the days ahead, mold us and make us and shape us into the image of your Son, that we might be witnesses to the lost, that we can encourage one another and know in our own hearts our place at your feet. God, we thank you again for this wonderful day. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints. As we ask and pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey guys, Billy here. I'm the media director here at Polson Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to polsonfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.